Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Gospel the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the midst of what was a rather busy week in the office, our new parish administrator, Liz, made quite an astute observation about what it is like to work here, particularly to work with Pastor Zach. Having completed a task, she looked at me and she said, wow, Pastor, aren't you humble? I said, yes, I know. Isn't it great? Oh. I'm the most humble. In fact, it was at that point that I had an opportunity to show her all my accolades and awards for just how humble I am. Now, I don't like to talk about it, but let's just fair say I'm perhaps the most humblest person you may ever meet. But that's, again, not the story today, of course, right? Ooh, sometimes, sometimes things are a little dicey in this office. And, and beyond the nonsense, though, beyond that nonsense, today we, we have a gospel. Right? We have this gospel that, that is following a text that tells us to pray always. And our gospel today frames us some prayers, right? An opportunity to see what does it look like? How is it that people pray? And as I sat down at my desk, I realized very quickly, wow, I connect with at least one of the characters in our story here today. The first character we meet is a Pharisee, a person who follows the law to a T, who observance of Torah is everything. And they're so good at it that they tithe all of their income and they fast not once but twice every week, even though scripture doesn't tell them to. I mean, that's how faithful they are. And it's with that background that they say a prayer to God. And I'm going to paraphrase it to you, but it goes something like this. God, you're welcome for how awesome I am. Right? I mean, that's really what our Pharisee is saying. Oh, God, aren't you lucky to have a faithful servant like me? On the other hand, then, we have a tax collector, a person we don't really care much for, a person who is in cahoots with the much-hated Roman government, a person who, let's be honest, makes their living by swindling people out of their hard-earned money. And this person takes a posture of prayer and says, God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. So I sat in my office, and I reflected on these two prayers and immediately I knew who I needed to be. I needed to be that tax collector, right? That's who we want to be. But then you know what I realized? 
and saying, I don't want to be like the Pharisee, I actually became more like the Pharisee. Why? Because the Pharisee says things like, thank God I'm not like other people, like the tax collector. Right? Now, I have a conundrum on my hands. And I think that's what's so amazing about this parable. That's what's so clever about this text that Jesus lays before us an opportunity to see a variety of, of opportunities for prayer. And we know who we want to be. But in wanting to be that person, we're confronted with the reality that is, that we are just like that Pharisee. And there's no way to escape it. So rather than run or try to find a way to show you that I am a good person, I decided to embrace it. I decided to sit there at my desk and think about all the different ways that I exalt myself in a week, all the different occasions where I thought to myself on a daily basis, man, am I glad I'm not like that person. And it took deep thought to come up with those examples. I mean, seconds passed before they started flooding into my mind. And I sat there, and it became clear, man, Am I glad that I'm not like those people who don't care about the environment like I do? Because in our house, we use these like washer sheet things so that we don't have liquid detergent that uses water. And then, and then we have a reusable coffee filter. And I hate the thing. I absolutely detest it. I curse it every morning as I clean out. My wife is laughing as I say it because she knows. I hate this thing. But you know what? I'm here to save the environment, people, right? So I'm glad I'm not like those people who don't care, right? Or, or maybe, maybe I'm glad like, I'm not like those people in you know, the other political party who just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? We know, you know, we don't have to go any further than that. But like, man, am I glad that I know how our government should be run. I understand and have a grasp on what justice looks like for everybody if only people listen to me. Or glad I'm not like those other Christians. You know the ones I'm talking about. Or dare I say the other Lutherans out there don't even get me started, right? Oh, my gosh. They don't get grace if it bit them on the butt, right? But, but I, I get it. I, I understand what compassion looks like. I understand how to read Scripture the way it was meant to be read. Look, I could go on for days here. The reality is that's the problem. Even if I don't like to admit it, my daily life, I have these thoughts. I begin to exalt myself. I take those moments to step back and say, ah, yes, I'm glad I'm not like those other people. And that word other is really operant here. Other, you see, is doing a lot of the heavy lifting here in the judgment. Because each and every time I start that sentence, I'm glad I'm not like the other blank. What I'm doing is I'm putting a wedge between me and the people around me. And therefore, I'm putting a wedge between myself and the God who created and unites and brings together all of us. Really, in, in going through that exercise, I realized, wow, I'm just like the tax collector in that I need mercy in my life. I need to seek forgiveness. And the question is whether or not my pride will allow me to do just that, will allow me to admit it. See, that's the thing. The problem here is not religiosity. The problem here isn't how well can we follow God's rules. The problem here isn't who can be the most faithful. The problem here is trying to figure out who is at the center of our lives. 
problem here is admitting whether or not we put ourselves at the center of everything, including our life of prayer, or are we willing to put God at the center of our lives, at the center of our prayers? And depending upon which way we choose, we're going to take a very different prayer posture. If we choose myself, then the only thing I really need in order to have a successful prayer life is a good mirror. Right? And I can just stand there and say, oh, thank God I'm me. But if we choose the other route, we choose the route of the tax collector, maybe our posture finds us on our knees. Maybe our posture finds us begging for a God to give us mercy. See, that's the difference. Are we going to tell God all the great things that we're doing? Or are we going to give thanks to God for all the amazing things God has already done? God, I'm going to tell you, has done a lot of amazing things. In fact, God has done some quite foolish things as well. You see, God was foolish enough to take on our human mantle, right? To be humbled to the point of flesh and blood and to then be exalted, not on a throne, but on a cross. And the foolishness is that God didn't just do this for the most faithful adherents, but God did this for sinners like me like a tax collector, like the Pharisee. See, God does these things because God is foolish enough to care for us all. And this, dear people, is grace. And grace is nonsense. Grace is foolishness. It makes no sense, and yet it stands at the foundation of our faith and our relationship with God and with one another. It's what allows us to even take a posture before God in the first place. The reason we ask God for mercy is because we trust that our God is and will and continue to be merciful to us. And all that God is looking for in response is people who are willing to humbly serve to share, and to live out that grace, that mercy, that love, and that forgiveness. And this past week, I started to reflect on that, not just in my own ministry, but just in the collective mission that we share here. And I couldn't help but start thinking about Pastor Swanson. I couldn't help but think about an individual who was humble in the way that he served and shared and lived out God's grace. My first conversation with Pastor Steve was pulling up in the driveway my first day on the job. It was moving day. We just got into the driveway, literally just followed in the moving truck, and I got a phone call from an unknown number. But I knew it probably had something to do with this place I'm at now. So I picked it up, and on the other end was a voice I'd never heard before. And it was Pastor Steve. And after quickly introducing himself, he said, Pastor Zach, a member of your congregation just died. And they have called to notify me of it. But this is your congregation to serve now, not mine. So I want to give you their number. And I want to know that I'm here to support you in any way possible. Talk about humility and service. Steve's voice reflected the deepest care for that person, for that family, 
but he cared so much about me, a complete stranger in the ministry I was about to embark on, that he was able to remove himself so that I could serve faithfully in the manner in which I was called to serve in that moment. That is what humility and humble service looks like, dear people. And I used to love it. Steve, I don't know if you know this, was a rule follower. I would argue with him, Steve, come back to church, come back to church. No, 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 I was told I couldn't. I said, Steve, get over yourself. No one cares. Steve and I would go and get coffee together at Funky's. And my favorite is I would call and say, Steve, you got a half an hour? <laughs> right? Yeah, Steve and I talking for only a half an hour. Are you serious? 16 hours later, you know, Larry's kicking us out. But we would sit there and we would talk. And what was always amazing, Steve would sit there and he would ask questions. How are people doing? How is this? Oh, I'm so glad that you've done that. I'm so, so delighted to hear that you are doing this. Always there to build up, to exalt me, to exalt us as a community because he cared so deeply about us. Perhaps the most humble thing Steve would always fit in every conversation was this line. If you pause in our conversation, Steve would look at me up and down and he'd go, man, am I glad they got a young guy like you. Why? And he goes, because no one wants to hear an old fart like me. <laughs> but even that, the humility to understand where he was in his life, the humility to be able to back up and to see that there was a future here without him is what makes this loss this past week so powerful. Because Steve is still here. He's present in the relationships that you've shared with him over time. And it doesn't mean that I can't be your pastor, and it doesn't mean that we don't share those moments or those relationships, but it's a reminder of how blessed we've been and an example of what it looks like to serve humbly, to be the kind of person who's willing to step aside for the sake of the good of the church and the people found therein. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to end with a word of prayer. Because last week we were told to pray always, and when I don't know what to do, I frog. So we're going to fully rely on God in this moment. So I invite you to join me in prayer. Gracious God, we are thankful this day for all the saints throughout our history of this place, but particularly we are thankful for Steve, for his humor, for his joy, for his care, and for his humility. We give thanks that we're able to share this life with him, and we look forward to the resurrected life that we too will share with him one day. But this day, remind us that as we gather around this table, we are gathered in the company of all the saints, and that Steve is here and present in this place with us in this meal as we are united with all people of all times. So help us to humbly come before you to receive your mercy and your forgiveness and bread broken and wine poured. In your son's name we pray. Amen.